What's up, inmates and five-star freaks? This is The Last Call for all future outlaws as we board the hype train for Crime Update. I'm your host, I'm Yellow DeAngelis. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I uh, just got over being sick, so if my voice sounds a little bit funny, that's why. And uh, yeah, went to a lot of cool wrestling recently, watched a lot of cool wrestling recently. So let's get into all of it. We're going to hop right in and start with some of the smaller promotions this time and then work our way into what's pretty much a big old GCW retrospective for the month of January. So let's chat Magnum Wrestling first. So Magnum Wrestling is based out of Omaha, Nebraska. Pretty good production quality overall. Uh, This show itself is not on Cage Match yet. I watched it on IWTV. Uh, Their last show was out of the Stocks and Bonds uh, building, whatever the fuck that is. So we're just going to say that's where this one was as well. So, (laughs) the main event match, the Magnum Pro World Championship, Brixton Dash, who comes out to a metalcore cover of Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball. So, you know, we're getting money from the start. He looks like Mojo Raleigh if he was in E-Town Concrete, for any New York hardcore heads here. Um, And then All Steel, Jay Fowler, our champion, comes out. And the first thing that happens is the belt just falls off. Total legend. He plays it off, though. He has great charisma. Comes out to Bad Boys for Life by Diddy. Um, match was fine. Ankle work by Fowler. Brixton utilizes a, a lot of power moves. Hiranagi, apron slams, etc. Um, and then it ends with the tag team champions attempting to interfere until the tag team champion falls for his own interference, hits a chair in the turnbuckle, and then is pinned after a hip attack by the champion. So the challenger gets fucked over by his own tag partner. Um, you know, if, if you like Nebraska Indies, then check out Magnum Pro. And then next up, we go to a subset of Limitless Wrestling out of Maine. Let's wrestle for their show, Steel Cage Showdown. In my notes, I have Steel spelled like George Steel, so perhaps this is a tribute show. I don't know. I can't confirm that. But let's talk about Let's Wrestle, based out of, uh, God, Maine. Again, this show's not on Cage Match yet. Their last show was out of Island Falls in the Municipal Building. Uh, Again, whatever the fuck that is. So we're just going to say that's where this one is, too. Their champion is a Northeast staple of the independence scene now, or a staple of the Northeast independence scene now, uh, featured in the recent uh, 27 different group, uh, whatever, H climax that's happening on Wrestle Opening, uh, Wrestle Open. <laughs> uh, the King of Kenergy, Brett Ryan Gosling, the notorious BRG who comes out to Sweet Victory from SpongeBob. And then the this is one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. This guy looks like Gucci Berry or whatever the fuck his name is without all the tattoos. His name is Eric Johnson. He is the epitome of uh, uh, local wrestling legend. Like 50-year-old, 
seven knee pads on each knee, um, taped up to shit. And his nickname, again, the architect of the Doom Punch. Eric Johnson, y'all, our challenger. I have no clue what he came out to. I, I could not find any uh, discernible sound in this music. So, <laughs> but basically, Eric Johnson, you know, he's he's uh, described as the rightful champ. And BRG is just obsessed with the belt. You know, the match starts and BRG just bumps like absolute fucking crazy. He plays up his character calls the ref a bitch, all sorts of despicable things. Um, and uh, so keep in mind, this is a steel cage match. And I'm not kidding when uh, 97% of the moves in this match involved them just throwing each other against the cage. Uh, every time before Eric Johnson does a move, he asks the crowd if he should do it. Hey, you want me to flip him? Uh, the crowd, yeah. So he flips him. Do you want me to punch him? Yeah. So he punches him. And again, I can't talk shit about this. This guy's working the crowd. He's getting him into it. This is successful pro wrestling. Uh, successful does not perhaps equate good. But it is successful pro wrestling. Um, <laughs> the Notorious BRG has a Canadian maple leaf tattoo. But inside of the maple leaf, it's an American flag. I've never seen that before. I don't know if it's some sort of Canadian-American uh, hybrid tattoo celebrating cultural heritage. But yeah, thought that was interesting. Uh, and again, 90% of the match is just bumping off the cage. Uh, the, the big spot is uh, BRG standing on the rope. They're getting dropped on his hog. Uh, and then <laughs> Eric Johnson <laughs> says, should I do it <laughs> over here? And he does all four sides, just picking up the notorious BRG and dropping him atomic dropping i guess is is the uh the in industry appropriate term but we're calling it hog dropping here on crime update um it works it garners response crowd super into it uh eric johnson eventually hits the johnson special falcon arrow so that's one move without the steel cage um and dude this whole match front row there's just this kid uh pretty much in every shot and they are wearing headphones and clearly playing a game on their phone, but they look like they're having more fun than everyone else in the audience. So distracting, but if you're the fan that was at Let's Wrestle, let me know what game you were playing because I would like to try it out. Anyway, the Notorious BRG wins with a belt shot. Post-match, he uh, stomps down Eric Johnson repeatedly until, and you're not going to fucking believe this, but Jason Maverick returns and makes the save. Uh, you know, BRG escapes a haymaker, the black hole slam. And, uh, you know, it's it's always great that once a wrestler just escapes the cage, the other wrestler inside of the cage is like, well, fuck, I'll never be able to get him now. As though it's like impossible to leave the cage as well. So, man, let's wrestle uh, successful, but not great. <laughs> But dude, this was, if you miss $5 wrestling, Jeff Hart, Freight Train, check out Eric Johnson. Um, you know, uh, brief, brief. Okay, combat sports, right? Let's talk UFC 297 real quick. Magni, Malat, amazing real life. Uh, you know, you can see, uh, the reason I bring this up, it's like Kento Miyahara versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. Or, or no, not Kento, sorry. 
Ken No versus Katsuhiko Nakajima, where you can see that uh, one guy who is so stubborn and obsessed with one element of winning versus just winning the fight succumbs to his own uh, just male stubbornness, and Magni wins in the final 30 seconds. Amazing, amazing fight. Pennington, Raquel Pennington versus uh, Maria, uh, Maria Bueno Silva. Real life Rocky. That's what this is. The corners tell the story in this match. Um, and combat sports is now pro wrestling adjacent, let's be honest. But since UFC, you know, they're they're not on the WWE Network or TNT. They, they fall under the, uh, the territory of independent wrestling promotion. So... The corners tell the story here in Pennington versus Bueno Silva. Silva's uh, corners are just like, what the fuck are you doing? This isn't how it's supposed to go. And Pennington Quarter is just gassing her up. You got this. You're the champion. Say it. You're the champion. And man, it really feels like a real life Rocky fight. The favorite coming in gets gassed. You realize that it's, uh, you know, kind of all showmanship with this ATT bunch. Just an ATT product versus a genuine family control. And uh, yeah. The ground control progression as well is the times reverse. Uh, and I really liked how there was a little bit of a twist in Buffer's thing, you know, and new. There's still the, as it was a vacant, vacated title, there's the tension after he says and new as well still. So that was fun. Uh, now we're going to hop over to Effie's big gay. Oh, wait, no, we're going to stop by Montreal, Quebec first. Sorry, I am still sick. Uh, but we're going to talk about IWS Praise the Violence 2024. Based out of Montreal, broadcasting live from the Studio TD on Triller TV, Fight Plus, whatever the fuck it's called now. IWS, yeah, Canadian-based promotion, very GCW. Scramble matches, gimmick matches, <laughs> Tons of zany characters, you know, you've got your sexy Eddie, you've got your Lufisto, you've got your Matthew St. Jock, you've got your Matt Viviani, Green Phantom. So, you know, lots of hometown faves, lots of just, uh, again, the GCW excess. Um, <laughs> IWS Canadian title match, Matt Viviani versus Sexy Eddie defeats him in 9 minutes and 44 seconds. Viviani retains the title. His whole gimmick is he's taking down all of the pillars of IWS that made the promotion. For those unfamiliar with Sexy Eddie, he is introduced as five pounds of cock meat. Uh, is that average? Asks one of the commentators. But again, it's the Prime Minister, Matt Viviani, versus the founding fathers of IWS. Viviani retains and continues his story here fine match uh you know viviani didn't really stand out to me in this first uh defense seeing him after that we have green phantom the canadian hardcore legend versus jt producer street fight fine match nothing that stands out again when your main event is a 22 minute hardcore match uh you know the street fight that's 10 minutes four matches before it's gonna get kind of lost you have Lufisto versus Danny Leo, hard-hitting match. Uh, Lufisto, you know, is someone who I always enjoy watching. I think she is underrated. Um, I would love to see her tour Japan or something, do a tag team with Nanai Takahashi. But she defeats Danny Leo, and afterwards she grabs the mic. She says, over the past two years, I haven't lost. Uh, it's more Irish than it is Canadian now. Uh, let's see here. Over the past two years... I've only, I can't fucking do it. 
Over the past two years, I've only lost, and I'm very humble when I say this, two matches. I've only lost two matches. So now it's my turn to go and fight for the IWS women's title. So we've got Lufisto fighting for the IWS women's title. Next, we have an IWS World Heavyweight title four-way match with Benjamin Toll, James Stone, Coral Jepsen, and Ortman, who gets KO'd at the very beginning and is taken out of the match. Interesting. So we have a surprise fourth entrant. Rina Yamashita, the GCW Ultraviolet Champion. Huge Rina spot in the middle with all the dick suplexes and German suplexes for everyone. And a very fun finishing sequence with Rina going through a table off a sidewinder suplex. Jensen then hits a massive splash and Toll hits a low bow. And what's unfortunately a pretty fucking ugly looking finisher. But outside of that, you know, this was a quick sprint, four-way, 12 minutes. Uh, I give this one about two and three quarters. I think Rena was really the star here. Not sure what that says about IWS, but there you go. And then our main event, Joey Janela versus Matthew St. Jock. Janela defeats St. Jock in 22 minutes in a hardcore match. Big spots, thumbtacks, all sorts of plunder. Alabama slammed through a table, and then it ends in a flash pin. Uh, the, the Minoru Fujita playbook of finishes and death matches. I'm not always a fan of these flash pins, especially when a match goes for so long. But hey, it happens sometimes. Overall, this was a, a fun show again, but... If you are a avid GCW watcher, I'm not sure if this, uh, you know, is any better than that necessarily. So you might be able to scratch the itch that you have, um, you know, with GCW for this type of wrestling. Next, we go over to Tacoma, Washington at Edison Square for Point Break. And it's main event time and Girl Hebner, Andrew, uh, Aubrey Edwards, returns to SOS they do the live commentary gimmick here, which I think is my least favorite thing, uh, which is to say live commentary being the commentary is broadcasted on the speakers in the venue so the audience can hear as well. Uh, there's an established chant for Aubrey. Uh, this is like being on the outside of one big, very unfunny inside joke. Uh, the main event is Dante Smith versus Bambi Hall. Dante Smith comes out with like a goth Road Warriors gimmick. Candles on the shoulder pads. Honestly looks cool. That was about the only good part of this whole match. Uh, Bambi Hall is out next. Nothing to stand out. Song sounds fairly generic. Uh, you know, it's Bambi's the powerhouse. Dante isn't imposing once the entrance is over. Uh, it's fucking crazy when the ref is the most experienced person in the ring. This is like being invited to a improv show at like a fucking Starbucks by your friend that you're not really a friend with, but an acquaintance. And you decide to go for whatever reason. And then two minutes into it, you're like, why the fuck am I doing this? And then you remember, oh, it's because I do an independent pro wrestling podcast for Five Star Match Network and Cage Match. Shout out inmates and Five Star Freaks. This fucking sucked. I won't lie. I always try to find a positive, but there are none here. But that said, I will keep checking out SOS, see if they can uh, have a big break. Who knows? Maybe they'll have a match of the year next time, but I'm very confident that it will not be Dante Smith having it. And then finally, before we go into the quote-unquote bigger promotions, action. Out of the Line Creek Brewing Bus Barn in Fayetteville, Georgia. 
Action Wrestling, great Southeast promotion, probably one of the better Southeast promotions. I really loved AC Max Reign. You know, him versus Alex Shelley was a really special match either last year or the year before. God, I really can't remember. It all blends together. Um, but from this one, I checked out the main event, an IWTV Independent World Wrestling World title match of Cruel defending against Adam Priest. Uh, Priest for is, you know, a heel. He's very... His playbook is doing the whole, I'm in a death match, but I'm not going to use glass gimmick. Oh, uh, you know, I got to fight, fight fight cruel, but I'm going to try to avoid hardcore stuff, um, which is all to say a chicken shit heel. So Priest begins the match with a prayer of, about college football. He looks like he's wearing an Alabama jersey. I don't know much about college football. Perhaps Dylan can add an editor's note here and give a breakdown on the Georgia uh, Alabama rivalry, but basically he does a prayer in the middle of the ring, which I, I very rarely ever see a prayer. Uh, but he, you know, the crowd hates it. It's actually very funny. I don't understand it, but I like it. It's like something like Oklahoma versus Alabama. I have no fucking clue. And then Cruel comes out. Dude, the kids love Cruel. It is insane. Uh, I did not expect kids to love Cruel so much. Cruel is for the children. The kids are jumping. Um, immediately, uh, Priest and Cruel, they battle to the outside. I love when matches go to the outside too, just so you can see the building exterior because you're like, what? This is where they are? Um, it's just very immersion-breaking in a beautiful way. Uh, they like fight over to the other patio. It's like a pizza store. They're using the chairs. All I can think is like, man, this is how you never get booked here again. Not the wrestlers, just the promotion. I thought this was hilarious. Um, you know, it ends with a big splash, false finish, uh, only a two count for Priest, then a choke slam, scorched earth by Cruel, and Cruel retains his IWTV Independent Wrestling World title. And then now over to, let's call him the, the big three. ICW, no holds barred, volume 57, out of the H2O Wrestling Center in Williamstown, New Jersey. This is pretty much their new home outside of TWE. Um, it's no secret that ICW is hurting at this point. We've seen departures of longtime talents such as John Wayne Murdoch. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, other not in-ring talents, but very prominent voices such as The Struggles, leave for his ETU expect the unexpected promotion um Casey Kirk now in GCW so I don't know what's going on here in ICW but things are not going great and this is another show that very clearly runs with the punches and I struggle with this stuff right because it is very much a family promotion but I'm not sure if it is so much a family as it is a cult of Danny at this point and it's very, very admirable to give people breaks um, and to give them spotlights and fulfill dreams that they have. But when it is not out of altruism and rather financial instability, I think that you are essentially, you're not really helping someone so much as exploiting them at that point because they would not have the opportunity if this company was run well, right? Which is to say it's not so much rolling with the punches as it is just trying to squeeze blood from a stone. So 
First thing announced on this show. Guess what? They're rolling with the punches. Uh, Righteous Jesse, the ring announcer, isn't there anymore. So they've got a guest ring announcer. Bobby Banks. Uh, this guy's pretty much front row. Most pre- uh, professional wrestling shows on the East Coast. Uh, you know, always wears a hat. Suits. Very prominent at the H2O Wrestling Center. Can often be seen at TWE as well. Um they played this off like it was a surprise. I'm not entirely sure. And again, this is one of those things where, okay, are we really fulfilling this guy's dream? Or am I just doing this because I have literally no financial ability to hire a ring announcer? So again, is this uh, is this celebration or exploitation? I don't fucking know. Bobby Banks, though, I will say, rises to the occasion. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. He knows all the nicknames. He knows the weights. So... They play it off like a surprise. Part of me thinks that this had to be planned. And if not, Bobby Banks is insanely knowledgeable. And I guarantee he is, even if this was planned, because he's at every goddamn show. So regardless, congrats, Bobby, on your first ring announcing gig. As far as I know, it was the first. But yeah, and now Bobby's going to England with them. So congrats. It looks like a brand new uh, ring announcer. This is, God, like the fourth or the fifth now. And again... When you do a family promotion, quote-unquote, with a ensemble, with a recurring cast, and that cast is just dwindling, uh, you know, you're starting to look like a restaurant with a high turnover rate. And this is a wrestling promotion, not a P.F. Chang's at Westlake Center in Seattle. Uh, so, the first match, Otis Kogar versus Dr. Redacted. If you've seen this match, you've seen it. You know, it's uh, tons of head trauma there's a really insane thumbtack bat spot where uh, Redacted just brains Kogar with the bat. Kogar has the amount of thumbtacks embedded in his head is unreal. Uh, Redacted gets go flashed by Otis into a pain. Uh, that was a cool spot. The match ends in ref stoppage with a similar finish to their Circle Six Mania Weekend match, which is to say Redacted gets zip tied and then brained with chair shots. Next out, Jay. Bougie uh, comes out in the ring while Mittens is sweeping it up. And uh, he chokes out Mittens. That's the angle. And then the guy who's supposed to face Jay Bougie is not available. So rolling with the punches. Out comes Homicide. I got to imagine this is a big favor to Danny. Um, this is a total squash that goes 10 minutes. Homicide hits a cop killer that Jay Bougie looks like he is incapable of taking. Looks like he broke his neck. So what happens? Homicide does it again. This whole show feels very unsafe. Um, Post-match, Homicide looks like he may be threatening Mittens. Homicide just kind of looks drunk. I'm not going to lie. Just slightly intoxicated because he starts talking. Uh, He's slurring his words. The referees even asked, does anyone speak Homicide? Um, You really can't make out anything discernible other than that maybe no one can fuck with Mittens because... Mick Foley said so. Uh, yeah, no fucking clue what this was. This was a very strange 15 minutes. Uh, next up, Atticus Kogar versus Cruel non-title match. Fine match. Uh, you know, this is one of those ones where they really try to tell a story. Atticus really tries to bring that character and bloodline performance uh, to his matches. So the whole back half of the match is pretty much where all the action pops out. Atticus monologues, yelling at Cruel, you're just a regular fucking guy with demons like me. You're just a regular fucking guy, which I thought is um, 
interesting to yell, I don't know, over and over. Uh, but he's stabbing him this entire time with skewers all over his body in places where you never want to see skewers put. Um, it's hard because it was such a powerful visual that was kind of ruined by this, again, performative acting that feels more imitation than genuine performance. Um, by the end, Cruel seriously looks like a fucking porcupine. Atticus pours gasoline all over himself and says that he wants to fucking burn. Um, he'll he'll burn himself to death with Cruel. Okay. Um, and uh, then Cruel hits his finisher. And that's the match. So the, the referee, or not the referee, the commentators after rightfully say, how come in every match someone is almost getting murdered? Uh, except in this case, it's Dr. Redacto with CTE, homicide nearly breaking Jay Bougie's neck, and Atticus gimmick covering himself in gasoline. So all different variations on people nearly getting murdered. So Danny DeMonto, again, in the almost semi-made event, versus Jay Sawyer. Jay Sawyer debuting here. Again, this is the whole thing. This guy's been on the ring crew. Uh, so it's the cold-hearted player, Jay Sawyer, who uses Afropix as his deathmatch signature weapon. I thought that was really cool. You know, Sakuda's got barbecue uh, skewers, uh, the, the metal ones. Atticus has his wooden skewers. Takeda has the giant scissors. Afropic, very cool twist, Jay Sawyer. At the end of the match, Danny says, you fucking set up and fucking tear down the ring just for this opportunity, didn't you? And you picked the wrong fucking day, wrong place, wrong fucking time, motherfucker. Uh, that's what Danny says. Um, cool. Double foot stomp off the top through a table of tubes. Sora kicks out a two while falling through the table. Uh, why the fuck does Danny win? I mean, I don't know why, but anyway, anyway, post-match promo, Danny puts over Sawyer big, acknowledges the work he's done. So, uh, Sawyer celebrates his first match by cracking a tube over his head. Again, congrats to Sawyer, but Danny not looking good, brother, from the exterior. Seriously, this is community theater. It's like if the janitor who always cleaned up uh, got to join the show one night, and that's not a disrespect thing so much as it is just like, uh, are you, like, don't run as many shows, you know? Like, these are people, this is a very dangerous fucking thing as well, right? And a lot of these matches, there's a lot of dangerous botches, and it's never worth it at the expense of someone's health right so next up pillars uh michigan pillars malcolm monroe the third and tommy vendetta with darren mccarty they defeat 44 uh, 440 bobby beverly and eric ryan so big 440 presence you know four out of the six matches on the card or three out of the six feature them so half the fucking card um Super clean match in terms of, you know, Eric Ryan, Tiger Driver on the tubes, uh, small package rolls Malcolm then straight into Beverly for a Saito through a table. Um, you know, just really, really clean stuff by 440. Bev and Ryan, very underrated. I wish they were able to do something with the rejects and GCW, but I don't really know what's going on there with 440 and GCW. But yeah, man, these guys are too good to be working just these promotions. Um, inventive double pin for the finish by the Pillars. And yeah, that takes us to MLW Super Fight 2024. Um, this main event here, 
Satoshi Kojima defeating Alex Kane in 11 minutes for the MLW World Heavyweight title. Uh, you know, this was Kane's, my God, let's see here. My apologies for not having this ready. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This was his eighth defense of the title. Um, you know, uh, this was the shortest defense he had of the title as well. Um, which I always think it's a little bit strange when the last defense is the shortest. Um, I don't know. Especially when Kane goes 48 minutes against Fatu. Uh, this match had some inklings of good stuff. Some real good suplexes by Kane. You know, but Kojima here, this is nothing to knock him. But the match feels like it was set up to never go past the uh, second gear, really. Um, it was very restrained, it felt like. And again, for Alex Kane to lose after he just defeated... Uh, Oh my god, who did he defeat on the last show? I literally can't remember. That shows how much of a hardcore fucking MLW fan I am. Richard Holiday, thank you. I was trying to think there. Sorry. Um that's all to say it's a you know, I, I really saw Kane as someone who could maybe move this promotion forward, but you know, it, it looks like court's going for some more hardcore fans trying to bring in eyes. So we've got Kojima facing Minoru Suzuki for the MLW title next, which, you know, is going to bring in a little bit more of the hardcores who maybe wouldn't typically watch MLW. It is an interesting match on paper. Um, I thought the best part of this match was the post-match uh, where Yuji Nagata comes out with two beers and he's literally chanting Kojima, Kojima with the audience. And Kojima doesn't notice him for a good probably five minutes because he's cutting a promo to the hard cam. And then when he finally turns around and sees Nagata, he, uh, the smile's very cute. So shout out, Yuji. Uh, yeah, and now we're going to move over to GCW. Talking first about GCW. Look at me. Out of the Egypt Shrine Center in Tampa, Florida. This is Royal Rumble weekend. AJ Francis, the former top dollar versus Joey Janela. Uh, Francis is flanked by DJ Woo Kid. Big spot of the match. DJ Woo Kid going through a table. I couldn't believe it. No one in the crowd could believe it. Uh, fun Janela match in terms of just him working with a complete fucking rando. Uh, which is to say, like, you just, again, like, he works with the most random people. Uh, not to call it top dollar rando. Uh, but, yeah, nothing memorable here. Fun plunder match. Next up, Leo Rush, Jack Cartwheel. Flippy stuff, um, you know, nothing that was very resonant. Fun match that happened. I thought the next match was really good, though. And the inmates have it rated pretty low of a 5.67. But I'd give this match a solid 3.5. Masha Slamovich defeating Ali Catch, Dark Sheik, and Lindsay Snow. This was all gas, no breaks. Hard hitting, great suplexes, tons of action, crisp moves. I enjoyed it. And then, next up... The Los Mazizos and Rene Amashto rumored to be named Cherry Hill versus the Gabbage Daddies. Alec Price and Cole Radrick and Mr. Danger. Cole and Price work well together as a tag team. I'd be interested in seeing them more work in the division. Uh, insane top of ladder swanton from inside the ring to the outside by Mr. Danger, which seems to be his big signature spot. The Mazizos do a fisherman buster into a splash onto Mr. Danger on a table. And then a splash by Yamashita after for the win. 
Tony Deppin defeats Mansoor in 14 minutes. Um, you know, Mansoor looked really good here. Deppin works a limb match and attacks Mansoor's left arm. Uh, this is definitely the better Deppin match I've seen of late. Uh, you know, I thought Deppin's gatekeeper matches were getting stale, especially with him being more, um, not as constant on these shows anymore. It's a little bit hit and miss now, these Deppin matches for me. They don't feel like they quite have the same, uh, level of importance as they did before. He's not so much a benchmark anymore as he is a guest a cameo appearance. So there's not a lot at stake in these matches anymore. But yeah, this is definitely the better Deppin match I've seen as of late. Yeah, this one three and a half as well. Finishing sequences, Mansoor attempting multiple deadlift power bombs as Deppin works a triangle choke and then goes into a Zack Saber Jr. style submission with both arms locked from from behind with the legs. Next up, Jacob and Zilla Fatu versus the main event, Jay Lyon and Midas Black. Crazy fucking match. And dude, the Fatu guys, they came out looking so fucking wet. I've never seen people look more wet than Jacob and Zilla Fatu in this match. It looked like they, they're fucking soaking. It's not like baby oil glow. It's like if you just take too much Molly and you're just like, someone's like, is it raining outside? And you're like, no, I'm just a Molly. And it's just cold sweats it doesn't look good it kind of scared me main event reminds me a lot of the super smash bros our old uh player uno player dose uh they're very very fun i like their gimmick zilla hits a double stack samoan drop lion's a big guy this is very impressive brains minus with a fucking chair all hell breaks loose through this whole event zilla finishes with a samoan spike that actually looks devastating so shout out zilla for being able to hit the samoan spike much better than solo and for those who don't know, uh, Zilla is Umaga's son, so makes sense. Next up, Broski Jimmy versus Jay Vidal. Uh, Jimmy performs a promo written for him by Matt Cardona. Super fucking fun. Uh, ref accidentally hits Jay Vidal with a belt shot for Jimmy's win. Silly match, five minutes just pretty much to uh, keep the Broski Jimmy uh, pro gimmick going. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Next up, Gringo Loco versus John Wayne Murdoch. Gringo wins in eight minutes. Uh, Gage and Prezak are an amazing commentary team. That was one of the big highlights of this. Uh, you know, Prezak is such a legit color commentator. He is so knowledgeable. He is great. And then Gage is just unabashedly himself. Oh, wow, man. He fucking bled there. Yeah, man. Oh, I fucking love when they bite that motherfucker's head. And Prezak's like, yeah, that it's a definitely an effective move. So really, really fun. Uh, big spots from this match. Falcon Arrow on the apron. A Canadian Destroyer off the top turnbuckle through a table. Or the, sorry, the the South South Destroyer, whatever. What, I can't remember. Deep South Destroyer. My apologies, Murdoch. Uh, Gringo Loco kicks out at one after the Deep South Destroyer off the top. Loco then hits the twist powerbomb standing on standing chairs. So you know, the two chairs with the backs to each other and then a moonsault for the win. Brutal finish. Had a lot of fun. Um, Violence is Forever versus Culture Inc. Violence is Forever retains the GCW tag titles in 13 minutes. Uh, you know, the way that Violence is Forever have been brought in, they are someone who, as a team, have been so great. Sorry, hiccups. For years. And them being... At this level in GCW now, it does feel like a legit call-up in some ways, which has been very fun. Um, uh, you know, 
I thought that it, it really shows that the stage of the platform GCW successfully built for themselves. Uh, this was a fine match. Uh, afterwards, the American giant defeats the local competitor. I have no fucking words. This guy looks like a creator wrestler that you make with your friends at two in the morning when you're stoned and you just want to make something that looks like a, a monster. His eyebrows, I have no clue if they're real. I have no idea if this is a real person, if this is a joke, if this is... Uh, Marcus Mathers standing on fucking Dylan McKay's shoulders with fake eyebrows. But anyway, the American Giant will be in the clusterfuck. Uh, GCW world title match. Blake Christian defeats Marcus Mathers in 12 minutes. Uh, it's fine match. I'm not big on these Blake Christian title matches. Um, afterwards, though, Joey Janela challenges Blake. Uh, the whole thing is spent burying the GCW extreme title. Okay. thought that was a little weird. Um, you know, and Janela says he wants to walk into Spring Break as a champion, not wearing it there. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, if they have a couple Atlantic City shows coming up in March, I think we could see uh some stuff pop up, pop off then. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But Janela, Blake Christian, that is our feud right now. Finally, main event time. Mance Warner versus Effie, big feud that's been uh building up recently. And Mancer's fucking awesome here, man. This is the definition of a GCW main event. Crazy storytelling, unbelievably rich characters, hardcore wrestling, and an audience on absolute fucking fire. This had the energy of a Joey Janela versus Ricky Shane Page from a run Ricky run. Um, you know, I thought that this was just great wrestling throughout. Tons of high... Uh, damage moves, just really brutal spots, sound wrestling, and the ending. Uh, Mance Warner beating down Effie, pouring gasoline on him. Then Dark Sheik runs out to try to be like, what are you doing? Mance Warner gains his composure for a second. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then smashes Dark Sheik and pushes her down and covers her in gasoline as well. And then does the same to Alley Catch. Three people stacked onto each other, covered in gasoline. Manders eventually runs out to make the save. But this was unbelievable. This was genuinely evil shit. This is a villain-making moment. It is babyface. Like, there's a difference between babyface and a hero and a heel and a villain, Right? Like, you know, someone like an MJF, I think, is a heel. Christian is a villain, you know. Someone like a, uh, God, let's see here. Someone like a John Cena is a babyface. Cody Rhodes is a hero, right? It's that, it's that level of playing the part versus becoming the part. And I think here, Vance Warner, you son of a bitch, you became a villain. Um, great, great match. I'd give this one... Four. Um, next up, we've got Effie's Big K Brunch. I'm going to shout out from this one, uh, you know, Rico Gonzalez versus Jay Vidal. Definitely thought this was the workhorse match. Both Impact Talents and Jay Vidal is pretty much your uh, Big K Brunch workhorse at this point. His matches are always a sight to see. Uh, ever since I had the opportunity of dancing with Jay Vidal at Jimmy Lloyd's uh, birthday last year in Vegas. Big fan. Big, big fan. Uh, Sawyer Rack versus Lindsay Snow. Gusset Plates, if you're a hardcore fan, check that one out. And then the main event, MXM, Mansoor, and Mason Madden, the former uh, Extreme Models. What were they called? I don't even fucking remember. Um, from WWE versus Bussy. Ali Catch and Effie. This is what you want out of a big gate brunch main event. Effie. Uh, 
beautiful, explosive queer energy and just somewhat fucking insane, like a Priscilla Kelly or an MXM or what have you. Um, Oh, also shout out Billy Dixon and made Kira. That was a really funny one. You know, Billy Dixon headbutted Akira's wig off, all sorts of wild shit. Um, yeah, and then Sawyer Snow, you know, they they did shots at the bar, gusset plates, sewing needles, tons of kisses, and then the main event. So MXM starts off with a five-minute posing segment, and they keep this up for a while until Bussy, uh, Bussy breaks it up, but the crowd went forever. Chance of pose forever. This is wrestling. You still got it. Um you know, and then Billy Dixon on commentary here was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, you know, you, you let the straights on our platform and now they're going to take five whole minutes. Very funny stuff. Um, Ali Catch and Effie come out. Uh, you know, commentary says they had gasoline poured on them last night. Dixon goes, yes, they're trauma bonded sisters. Just fucking hilarious. Fake out hug spot gets called Queer Bader Jones by Dixon. They have a walk off. Um, this whole match is all gimmick, all comedy. Effie's definitely banged up from the night before, so they work with him really, really well. And Effie even shuts them out at the end. Uh, after the walk-off, there's a beautiful Northern Lights suplex. And we even get a shout-out. This is what makes Big Game Brunch so special. Hell of a Northern Lights suplex. Shout-out to Alicia Fox. And at the end of the match, Blissey welcomes Mansoor and Mason Madden. Welcome to the Wild West. I think you'll fit in just fine. And that's awesome. You know, having this show in Tampa, again, with the Don't Say Gay uh, bill in Florida, uh, it's really cool to see this. So shout out Effie's Big Gay Brunch 8. And now we are going to our final one. GCW, Feel No Ways, out of the Nile Theater in Mesa, Arizona. I was live for this one. Check me out front row. I'm sitting next to my friend Lucia. Uh, you know, Carrie Morton shook his ass on her, that despicable son of a bitch. Um, and I do want to shout out Raleigh here uh, for for making this show happen. Uh, congrats to Raleigh. This has been a big bucket list thing for him. And the Nile, God, since I was in high school, has been a home for me. Uh, seen shows there for three different decades now, uh, if you want to count it like that. It's crazy to think that, you know, from, God, 2008 till now, 2009, I have no fucking clue. Just really cool to see how many things happen there, you know, from local promotions like Party Hard to touring promotions like Hood Slam and now GCW. It's just very special to have these promotions here. So Raleigh, congrats. Uh, I hope you feel very accomplished and very proud of yourself. Your hard work paid off. Not on GCW sold out very quickly here. Packed audience. I hope he came across well on the feed. And GCW's coming back now in June. So let's fucking get it. And uh, we're going to start here. Masha Slamovich versus Starboy Charlie. I gave this three and three quarters. Um, really great hot starting match. Tons of false finishes that I bought into. Masha's amazing. Starboy's amazing. All around great fucking opener. Next up, Chris Bay, a man like Doris versus Fuego del Sol and Sam Stackhouse. The uh, 0-1-2 sweep get the win in 14 minutes. Very fun match building up to, you know, a big spot with Doris. Uh, body slamming Sam Stackhouse. We get a really cool move of Fuego del Sol doing the old Tyler Black, uh, you know, flip off the fans, big belly spot. 
They are a, a fun tag team. I'd like to see them keep working together. AEW tag team division, definitely heating up. Uh, Chris Bay, super, super over with this audience. Great seeing him live. Uh, Man Like Therese, definitely one of my new favorites. Very agile in the ring. Very fluid. Just big fan there. Afterwards, Bodie Young Prodigy versus Mance Warner ends in a no contest after Mance Warner uh, choked Bodie Young Prodigy to death in front of me with a bull rope and cattle, cattle, kettlebell, cow, cowbell. I fucked that up so bad. Anyway, <laughs> Podium Project gets his ass whipped again. This is to build up Mance Warner as a big heel. Shout out to Frank, man, for getting in the face of Mance Warner. Our boy Frank. That was absolutely crazy. Oh, and hey, shout out to uh, Brant and John from the GCW Plant Podcast. I have the uh, privilege of sitting next to John throughout the show, actually. Incredibly nice guy. Congrats on getting on to Body Slam. And uh, yeah, for additional GCW pod uh, coverage, definitely check them out. They are going to go way more in depth than I do. This is a burst. They do Dylan and Nello length shows for that stuff. So really cool there. Yeah, Mance, big piece of shit. Manders comes out. Mance fucks him up or alley catch, whatever. He's just fucking everyone up. Deathmatch royalty. Broski, Jimmy, Matt Cardona, and Steph Delander defeat SG Cunt. One called Manders, alley catch, and Dark Sheik. Uh, the gimmick going into this, you know, is uh, Cardona announces that if they lose, Broski, Jimmy is losing his title. Oh, no. So, of course, they win. Uh, this whole match, I honestly just watched uh, Cardona and Broski, Jimmy just on the apron together. Just doing the reactions and shit stuff as well is just super fun. Uh, comedy match, some good spots, uh, you know, fan favorites all around. This was just really, really fun. Next up, Microman. Microman versus Mini Abismo Negro. Uh, this was insanely over with the audience. When Microman hulks up, I flipped the fuck out. I hulked up. Microman is my uh, god. I worship him. I will go to war for him. You know, if if Microman has no fans, then it means that I'm fucking dead, you know? So I love this guy. Um, this was super over with the crowd. Abismo Negro did amazing work with him. Great finishing sequence. Crowd exploded. This is very fun. I'd give this one a three and a quarter, three and a half. Cole Radrick versus Kerry Morton. You know, territorial style match, old school heat, all that good stuff. Cole worked well with Carrie here. Carrie worked the crowd well. Give this one a three. Pretty sad match overall. Nothing you're going to remember, but very fun for while it lasted. And then my match of the night, the Los Mazizos and Rina Yamashita. Again, rumored to be Cherry Hill versus Los Desperados, Arez, Gringo Loco, and Latigo. Um, this was total lucha extrema fuckery. The match ends with Rina taking down the lights in the Nile, crashing through tables, Debris, flying, bloodshed, warfare everywhere. I loved seeing this live, man. I love seeing Los Mazizos live. I love seeing... This was my first time seeing Rena live, which was a bucket list thing for me. So very, very grateful to have had the privilege to see all of these amazing performers live. Arez, Gringo Loco, Latigo, all amazing performers. Everyone did fucking phenomenal here. This was an absolute blast. I'd give this one a four. Then you had local Brittany Brooks. It's Brittany Bitch, the center of attention, versus Jamie Senegal from Impact Wrestling. 
Uh, you know, crowd's a little bit low energy. Definitely after the previous match, we're hitting about uh, you know two and a half hours here. But the competitors definitely got them back in by the end of the match. Brooks gets the win in seven minutes. Her juicy debut, debut, getting that big hometown win. Next up, GCW World Title match. Blake Christian defeats Jack Cartwheel in 18 minutes. Again, very hard to buy into the believability of a Jack Cartwheel win here. But uh, I will say this Blake Christian match was better than other ones I've seen. I thought Blake is finally becoming a better heel, starting to, uh, I don't know, just that indescribable, uh, you know, just sort of the, the persona they, they don. And Blake seems to be going into it further and further. So we'll see what happens with that. But I give this one, you know, three and a quarter. And then Richard Holiday versus Hammerstone in our main event. Holiday defeats Hammerstone in 20 minutes. Admittedly, I'm not a big Hammerstone guy. This guy moves around like a fucking jacked up Matt Hardy. Um, lots of big moves here, but way too slow for my liking. This is not, uh, they don't work the match like it's a big man beef match. Lots of Charles Manson interference, like way too fucking much. We're talking like, you know, trying to creep in on House of Torture territory too much. Um, I'd give this one a two. Uh, if not one and three quarters, just way too slow, very predictable, nothing surprising, no big memorable spots. Hammerstone's super over, he's a hometown guy, but yeah, thought this was a pretty forgettable main event. I think you could have flipped this with the Lucha Extrema and had a much, much better send-off. Afterwards, though, Nick Gage comes out, makes the save for Hammerstone after Manson and Holiday, beat him down, Gage sends us off, MDK all fucking day. Shout out Nick fucking Gage, I love you. We love you. This has been your crime update. And until... Oh, shit. Wait. Jersey J-Cup. Oh, my God. How could I forget? It's the Jersey J-Cup, y'all. So, um, my God. First day, violence is forever. I got to sprint through this because I got a work meeting soon. Violence is forever versus the astronauts. This was a great match. They leaned into the simplicity of striking, hard-hitting shit. Gave this one four and a quarter. Just amazing to see astronauts hit stateside. They just got announced in a singles match for Bloodsport. Congrats to everyone there. That is a bucket list dream match for me to see live. Uh, see live, you know, I'm happy and grateful that I got the privilege to see Ibushi, Akiyama, and so many others last year live at the Collective. But hot damn, I wish I was going this year. Damn them for already being sold out. JCW uh, title, first round match, Jordan Oliver versus Griffin McCoy. You know, the whole Jordan Oliver story here is he is as personal as possible, going through all sorts of partners, people from his past, etc. This match was good, a little bit long. I thought this was, you know, more baby face versus heel than hero versus villain. I give this one about three stars. And then great Sasuke versus Mike Bailey. A little bit long, you know, really cool match on paper. It didn't quite deliver in the ways I would have hoped for, but still very cool that it happened. Now we're going to go to day two, rapid fire. Alec Price defeats Joey Janela. Fantastic match. Janela puts over Price in 15 minutes. I'd give this one three and three quarters. Masha Slamovich defeats Matt Mikowski in 10 minutes. Amazing win work. Really great technical work by Mikowski. Masha, underdog as always. Uh, great suplexes, gets the win with the rear naked choke as she has done lately. You know, Masha versus the guys, it's it's as natural as it can be. I really can't think of anyone besides maybe a Statlander who's ever just been so seamless at intergender matches to where, you know, you don't even think of the whole 
stigma of intergender matches or the whole even the name it's just a fucking wrestling match then you had nick wayne defeating great sasuke thought this was fine again um you know a lot of people were excited for this me not so much nick wayne is kind of just playing the old version of nick wayne not getting a lot of the patriarchy i don't really like the the lack of you know people can play different people in promotions but this feels like a step backwards, Nick Wayne. I think he's made more interesting decisions since then, character-wise. And this is sort of just blank babyface. Next up, Jordan Oliver defeats Myron Reed. And for you know, for those unfamiliar, Jordan Oliver used to be an injustice with Cotto Brazil and Myron Reed in MLW from 2019 to 2021. So again, we have his stablemate in Griffin McCoy. Young Dumb and Broke, Stablemate, and Myron Reed from Injustice. Oliver defeats Myron Reed in 17 minutes. Myron Reed is someone who I really look forward to watching now. Definitely on my radar. I'd give this one four stars. After that, Astronauts versus, sorry, the Astronauts, Fuminori Abe and Takuya Nomura defeat Jonathan Gresham and Mike Bailey in 18 minutes. They do a lot more here. I'm not sure if it's for the better, but I'd give this one four stars here. I did like the Violences Forever one. More. I thought they embraced the the strengths of the astronauts a bit more. Um, and yeah, but dude, how fucking cool. We are spoiled. This is a match I will definitely go back to watch. Still, Masha Slamovitz versus Alec Price. A lot of people wanted Price to win here. I was rooting for Masha. Three and three quarters. Really heated finale. Again, rear naked choke. You gotta love it. Let's go fucking Masha. And then Jordan Oliver's semifinal match defeats Nick Wayne. Longtime East-West Express tag team partner. I thought his match with Myron Reed was a lot better. Again, I think that this suffered from Wayne being sort of blank here. I, I just didn't see a lot come through in, in the ways that I was hoping for. Um, you know, and maybe it's because Wayne is maybe not giving as much as he used to on these independent dates with him now in AEW. But this felt like a match that could have been a lot more. I'd give this one three and a quarter. Then we had a 12-man tag team match. Alley Catch, Cole Radrick, Los Mazisos, Man Like Therese, and Mr. Danger defeat Charles Mason, Griffin McCoy, Jack Cartwheel, Jimmy Lloyd, Kerry Morton, and Tony Deppin in 17 minutes. This is like your old-school boiler 10-man. Tons of fun. Just absolutely hilarious shit. I had a blast. I'd give this one three and a half. Next up, Blake Christian versus Homicide. For the GCW world title, Blake wins in 14 minutes. I thought this was super unnecessary. I'd give this two stars. You know, you're already on a long show. I think that you didn't need this. I would have rather given the 13 minutes to the main event, which was the Jersey J Cup 2024 final. Masha Slamovich defeats Jordan Oliver by referee's decision in 19 minutes. Masha becomes your Jersey J Cup 2024 champion and the new JCW champion after jordan oliver's 364 day 29 successful title defense reign just an absolute great first reign that's how you want to set it up reminds me of john wayne murdoch's um american deathmatch title holy shit i didn't talk about killdozer versus hoodfoot well that's our main event because it's hoodfoot of course but yeah masha wins here i give this four and a half stars this is one of my favorite matches of the year so far really great believable false finishes tons of great work and you know for these two wrestling two absolutely unbelievable matches already in the night you know this was great jordan oliver does nearly a 60 an hour of in-ring work for the entire night um i thought all matches were at least good at the very least um 
So yeah, I thought that the J Cup as of now, this second night is definitely the show of the year, I would say in terms of overall quality and consistency. It's like an acid cup type deal from the pandemic era. Tons of fun. Now, ICW, No Holds Barred, Volume 57, Killdozer, Dethrones, Hoodfoot, Mo Atlas for the ICW American Deathmatch Championship. Um, Killdozer, now champion. You know, you've got Cruel's IWTV. Uh, Killdozer as ICW. Looks like we're going to get a lot of crossover there. Maybe some more warfare with 44-0. But yeah, things are changing. That's definitely sure. But two massive title switches in the independence this past uh, month with the new JCW champion, Masha Slimovich, and new ICW American Deathmatch champion, Killdozer, Matt Tremont. So that said, this has been your crime update. Thanks so much for hanging out, y'all. Hope you have a great rest of your rest of your week. And until next time, have a fun. Drop a buster, a player hate nigga or a cookie cop runner. If you wanna.